I do hope that uh, you will come minimally at least just once this week and be a part of a turning point. If you can come more than that, um, I encourage you, invite you to do that. But uh, come at least once. Even in that act, um, I believe that you will experience God and uh, uh, you will be blessed and you will be encouraged to keep following him. Thank you so much, sweetie. I don't know if it's the extra cold weather, but my mouth is extra dry this morning. Well, last week, the first Sunday in January, we noted that this month is a time of recalibration for many people. It's a time of evaluation and planning, of setting new goals, of... uh, turning over new leaves. We noted that businesses often recalibrate their performance in January. They do this by reviewing the previous year, taking inventory, revising goals, implementing implementing new strategies, yada, yada, yada. Individuals also use January as a time of recalibration. Resolutions are made from everything from losing weight to paying off the balance owing on the credit cards, to better controlling one's temper, to spending more time with family and friends. We also noted that January is a good time for spiritual recalibration in which we recalibrate our relationship with God. Last week, we explored a phrase that the Bible uses to describe spiritual recalibration. What was it? Turning to God. Turning to God. If you missed last Sunday, you can uh, go to hawkwood.ca and you can uh, listen to the, to the message. Um, we studied the life of King Josiah, touted by the Bible as a king who excelled in turning to God like no other king before or after him. We learned that Josiah demonstrated a heart turned toward God in three things. In his zeal for corporate worship, in his reverence for God's word, and in the fact that he turned, sorry, just lost my, just lost my place here. Uh, in, the, in the fact that he repented and turned from sinful practices. Well, today, in our second message in our New Year's series, we're going to explore another phrase that the Bible uses to describe spiritual recalibration. It's seeking God or seeking the Lord. Throughout the scriptures, God commands his people, you and me, to seek him. In 1 Chronicles 16.11, we read, Seek the Lord in his strength. Seek his presence continually. In 1 Chronicles 22.19, we are exhorted, Now set your mind and heart to seek the Lord your God. In Isaiah 55, 6, we read, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. In Zephaniah 2, 3, we don't hear, we don't go to Zephaniah too much, but in Zephaniah we read, Seek the Lord, all you humble of the land. In Amos 5, 4, God says, Seek me and live. Ooh, that's good. Hebrews 11.6 says that whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who, what? Who seek him. 
Last week, we explored what it means to turn to God by studying the life of King Josiah. Today, we're going to explore the life of another leader in Judah who led his people in seeking God. His name, King Asa. But before we examine Asa's life, let's unpack the term seeking God just a bit. It's important to note that humans don't naturally seek God. In his letter to the church in Rome, Paul quotes a fairly astonishing statement from the Psalms. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks God. Since sin was given reign in human beings in the Garden of Eden, the default state for all individuals has been to turn away from God, to reject Him, and to seek our own interest. The Bible calls this rejection of God's sin. Our sin brought death, separation from God. We are like rebellious, stubborn sheep who ran away from our shepherd. The power of sin working in us is overshadowed or overshadows any desire to seek after God. So what did God do? God sought us. He came to us. The Bible tells us God sent his son, Jesus, to die for our sins and to bring us back into relationship with himself. When we choose to believe in and follow Jesus, the Holy Spirit comes inside of us. He comes to live inside of us. And one of the things he does is give us a desire to seek God. Well, why is seeking God so important? Why are we exhorted to seek God's presence or his face continually? Isn't God always with us? Well, the answer to that last question is yes and no. Yes, God is omnipresent. That means he's everywhere all the time. He's always near everything and everyone. Psalm 139, 7 to 12 tells us there's no place that we can go from God's presence. We also know that God is always present with his children. Jesus, God in the flesh, promised us, I am with you always to the end of the age. Hebrews 13.5 reminds us that God will never leave or desert us. So you say, Kent, then why did you say the correct answer to the question, isn't God always with us, both yes and no? Well, although God is omnipresent, his presence is not always manifest to us. Let me put that in easier words. We don't always perceive and experience God's presence. Even after we come to faith in Christ, there are times where we become neglectful of God and give him no or little thought. Times when we don't trust in him, when we don't perceive him as the great and beautiful and glorious God that he is. During these times, his face, the brightness of his personal character, is hidden behind the curtain of our worldly desires. This condition of not perceiving and experiencing God's presence is always poised to overtake us. That's why we're told to seek God's presence, to seek God's face continually. 
God calls us to enjoy continual consciousness of his supreme greatness, of his beauty, of his worth. This consciousness happens through seeking, continual seeking. But what does this mean practically? How does one seek God? Well, to help answer that question, let's look together at the life of King Asa in Judah. We read about Asa's life in 2 Chronicles chapters 14, 15, and 16. So as we look at Asa's life, first of all, it's interesting to note that, you know, some of you may be interested, when did he reign? He was king from 912 to 871 BC. Now, what can we learn from Asa's life? The first thing is this. Asa related to seeking God the way, one of the ways he sought God is that he repented of sinful practices. Now, who does that sound a lot like? It sounds a lot like King Josiah from last week. Listen as I read in 2 Chronicles chapter 14, verse 2. Asa did what was good and right in the sight of the Lord his God. He removed the pagan altars in the high places. He shattered their sacred pillars and chopped down their Asherah poles. He told the people of Judah to seek the Lord God of their ancestors and to carry out the instruction and the commands. He also removed the high places and the shrines from all the cities of Judah and the kingdom experienced peace under him. To move toward a place or a person requires that you turn away from whatever you're currently occupied with. If I want to go to the foyer and I'm over here and I'm talking to uh, um, Sean on the drums, I can't, I, if I'm going to seek the foyer, I have to turn away from Sean and I have to begin to move in that direction. Like King Josiah, whom we read about last week, King Asa sought God by turning away from sin and turning to God. He removed the foreign altars that had yet again proliferated Judah. He commanded his subjects to seek God, to worship Yahweh, rather than the false gods of the nations around them. Like Asa, if you and I wish to seek God, we must start by turning away from any practice that doesn't jive with God's word. Only when we turn our attention away from worldly sinful practices can we give God our attention and actively seek Him. The Bible calls this turning away from sin and to God, repentance. Did you know that repentance is not just something that we should do when we give Christ control of our lives and believe in His death and resurrection and we're made right with Him? Repentance is something we are called to engage in throughout our life. Jesus said to the Christians at Ephesus, these were believers in him, who had lost their first love, repent. To the believers at Pergamum, who were tolerating false doctrine and engaging in immoral practices, he said, repent. To the Christians at Laodicea, who had become passive and lethargic in following Christ, Jesus said, Repent. As Christians, we are to experience continuous conversion, a lifelong process of ongoing repentance, faith, and obedience that leads to piety, holiness, and being renewed in the image of Christ. Hebrews 12.14 tells us that we are to pursue, we are to chase after holiness 
without which no one will see the Lord. Growing in holiness requires repentance. For us as Christians, repentance should be a regular spiritual discipline on par with prayer, Bible reading, worship, silence, solitude, fasting, and service. Repentance and faith are foundational spiritual practices without which none of the other practices will gain much traction or foster much spiritual fruit. God is calling you and me to invite the Holy Spirit to search our hearts and to show us any wickedness, any rebellion, any evil that lurks there. He's calling us to seek him through repenting of sin, just as Asa did. Well, Asa sought God by repenting of sin. He also sought God through humility and prayer. (coughs) In chapter 14, in verses 9 and 10, we learn that a massive foreign army from Ethiopia, led by Zerah the Cushite, stood poised on the edge of Asa's territory to attack Judah. Asa and his army were totally outgunned, maybe outspeared, although it does say the enemy had 300 chariots, and they were outmanned as well. Um, They had several hundred thousand soldiers in Judah at that time, but this force that was coming from Ethiopia, the Bible says a vast army, the Hebrew actually said there were thousands of thousands. You put those zeros together and you get a million. You get the picture, they were vastly outnumbered. Well, what did Asa do facing this calamity? In verse 11, we read this. Then Asa cried out to the Lord his God, Lord, there is no one beside you to help the mighty and those without strength. Help us, Lord our God, for we depend on you. And in your name we have come against this large army. Lord, you are our God. Do not let a mere mortal hinder you. What was Asa's response in the midst of a crisis of epic proportions? Did he seek an alliance with another king to help him in the battle? Did he offer a sacrifice to a foreign god asking for help? Did he give his troops a pep talk and tell them to fight and die bravely? The answer to all of those questions is no. Well, what did Asa do? Asa humbled himself and cried out to the Lord. Asa prayed. Asa asked God for his help, and he confessed his complete reliance upon God. He proclaimed his dependence upon God. Throughout the Bible, the critical importance of humility is stressed. Isaiah 57.5 says, The high and lofty one who lives in eternity, the holy one, says this, I live in the high and holy place with those whose spirits are contrite and what? And humble. I restore the crushed spirit of the humble and revive the courage of those with repentant hearts. There's that word repentance again. In Isaiah 66 too, God says, but this is the one to whom I will look. He who is humble and contrite in spirit and trembles at my word. We're told in James 4.11, as we um, read there, Sorry, just looked up, lost my place. Here it is. Humble yourselves before the Lord. It's a command. Humble yourself before the Lord. 
It's our own responsibility to humble ourselves and not something that we should passively wait for or hope that will happen at some point in the future. It's a command we must obey. One of the tools God has given us to humble ourselves is evident in King Asa's life. Asa prayed. He said, God, I need you. I think of that song, Lord, I need you. Oh, I need you. Every hour I need you. My one request my righteousness. Oh Lord, how I need you. I don't know, maybe Asa broke into that song right then. Maybe, you know, maybe it wasn't written in the 21st century. Maybe it was written uh, 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 sometime back. He was probably singing something a, a lot, a lot like it. Asa demonstrated humility through prayer. This week, we're inviting you, we're inviting me, to demonstrate and cultivate greater humility by choosing to seek the Lord in prayer at turning point. Well, how did God respond to Asa's humility in prayer? In verse 12, we read, now get this, get this. So the Lord routed the Cushites before Asa. Remember, I mean, there were, there were, the, the, the odds were so stacked. This was a huge foreign army. There was no way that the Judeans were going to be able to, to, to win this battle on their own. But look what happened. So the Lord routed the Cushites before Asa and before Judah, and the Cushites fled. Then Asa and the people who were with him pursued them as far as Gerar. The Cushites fell until they had no survivors, for they were crushed before the Lord and his army. So the people of Judah carried off a great supply of loot. God responded to Asa's humility and prayer by totally routing the enemy. The power of God was released and Asa and his troops experienced a great victory despite seemingly insurmountable odds. Well, what does God indicate that his response will be if we humble ourselves? James 4, 6 says, but God gives grace to the humble. James 4, 10, we read, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will exalt you. Last week, we read in 2 Kings 22 that because King Josiah humbled himself before the Lord, he was spared God's judgment when Judah and Jerusalem were attacked and led captive into exile in Babylon. In Daniel 10:12, the angel Gabriel tells Daniel that because he humbled himself before God, his prayer was heard and answered. And by the way, although there's no clear indication in 2 Chronicles in these chapters that Asa fasted when he humbled himself and prayed. He could have, but the word doesn't tell us that. But nevertheless, there are many occasions recorded in Scripture where individuals did fast when seeking God in prayer. As we mentioned earlier, fasting is another biblical tool God has given us to seek Him. Well, what about you? What about me? Are we seeking God by humbling ourselves? By admitting our need for God in every arena of our lives? Are we demonstrating that humility in seeking God through prayer? Or, like so many affluent Christians in the West, are you and I really duped 
by having convinced ourselves that we're depending upon God when in reality we're depending on our own ingenuity, our own intelligence, our own money, and our own resourcefulness. Like Asa, God is calling you and me to seek him through humility and prayer. It's interesting to note that when returning from the battle, Asa was met by a prophet named Azariah. In verse 2, we read Azariah's words to the king. Listen to this. This is kind of puzzling. Asa and all Judah and Benjamin, hear me. The Lord is with you when you are with him. If you seek him, he will be found by you. But if you abandon him, he will abandon you. For many years, Israel has been without the true God, without a teaching priest, and without instruction. But when they turned to the Lord God of Israel in their distress and sought him, he, God, was found by them. Now skipping to verse 7. But as for you, Asa, be strong. Don't give up. For your work has a reward. Why would Azariah give King Asa a message from God like this on the heels of his victory over the the Ethiopians? He said, seek God. If you seek him, you will find him. If you forsake him, he will forsake you. I mean, give the guy a break. He's been a stellar spiritual leader. He had sought the Lord through humility and prayer, asking for God's help. The answer to the question, why would Azariah give King Asa that message from God, is the third point about seeking God we find in our text today. And it is this. We must seek God continually. We must seek God continually. Remember 1 Chronicles 16.11 that we read earlier in the message? Seek the Lord in His strength. Seek His presence continually. Continually, it's not enough to seek God once or for a season or even for a few years. We must seek God continually for our entire lifetime. Our human hearts are prone to wander from God. We are prone to start seeking after other things. Well, in chapter 15, verse 2, Azariah tells Asa that if he seeks God, he will find him. But that if Asa forsakes him, if he fails to keep seeking God, the Lord will forsake him. How did Asa respond? Well, initially, Asa responded by continuing to seek God. We see evidence of this in chapter 15, verses 8 through 19. Asa engaged in a second purge of any remaining idols in the land. He deposed his grandmother, Makah from her position as queen mother because of her idolatry. Have you ever tried to depose your grandmother? Have you ever tried to depose your mother? Think about this. Think about Queen Elizabeth when the queen mother was still alive. Think about if Queen Elizabeth had said, you are deposed. You are no longer queen mother. You are shamed. You are out of here. By the way, take all those, uh, those idols that you had in your room with you. Actually, no, don't take them with you. Give them to me. I'm going to burn them and smash them. That's what Asa did. That's what Asa did with his grandmother. Asa led all the people in worship and he held a massive, lavish celebration where he and the people renewed their covenant to seek God. 
In fact, one of the results was that people from other Israelite tribes decided to move to Judah. People decided to start to do some church hopping. Uh, they, uh, they started coming over. And why? Verse 9 tells us because, because they could see that God was with Asa. Mm-hmm. What does that sound like? Do you, remember, do you remember what it said about the disciples when they were being quizzed by the Sanhedrin uh, after, after Jesus' resurrection? And uh, the, a man had been healed, and the, the Jewish leaders were all in a tizzy about this, and they said, you know, tell us how you, how you do this, and this kind of thing. And it makes the point that the leaders said, these are uneducated men. But it says in Acts, they took notice that these men had been with Jesus. Asa had been and was with God, and God was with him. However, just because you seek God, you sought God yesterday, doesn't mean that you will seek Him today. Just because yesterday I, I spent time in prayer and I spent time seeking God because I made some choices to turn away from, from temptations, doesn't mean that I will seek God today automatically or that I will turn away from temptations today. You and I must make choices every day, day by day, whether we are going to seek God or whether we're going to seek other things. Well, did Asa continue to seek God? Sadly, the answer is no. Asa started well. Asa ran well. But Asa did not finish well. Starting in chapter 16, verse 1, we learn that Judah was again threatened by an enemy army, this time by Basha, king of Israel, the northern Jewish kingdom. The kingdom of of Israel, God's people, had been divided since the time after Solomon into two kingdoms, the northern kingdom and the southern kingdom. And Basha and the northern kingdom said, hmm, I think this is a good time to increase our territory. I think I'll start, uh, I'll build up my troops and I will attack uh, um, my neighbor, Asa, down, down in Judah. Well, instead of humbling himself and praying, as he had done when the Ethiopians had threatened to invade, King Asa this time turned to another king for help. He made an alliance with one of his enemies, with Ben-Hadad, the king of Aram, present-day Syria, and basically bribed him into joining forces by gifting Ben-Hadad with silver and gold furnishings from the temple. Ben-Hadad then attacked Israel from the north, and this left the southern flank open. And King Asa was able to attack Israel and neutralize the threat that they posed. However, when Asa returned from the battle, he was met by another prophet. This time it was Hanani, the seer. In chapter 16, verse 7, Hanani says to Asa, Because you depended on the king of Aram and have not depended on the Lord your God, the army of the king of Aram has escaped from you. Were not the Cushites and Libyans a vast army with many chariots and horsemen? When you depended on the Lord... He handed them over to you. For the eyes of the Lord roam throughout the earth to show himself strong for those who are wholeheartedly devoted to him. You have been foolish in this matter. Therefore, you will have wars from now on. 
How did Asa respond to the message from God delivered by Hanani? Did he humble himself like King Josiah did when he realized that he and the people had transgressed God's commands? In verse 10, we read this. Then Asa was angry with the seer and he put him in the stocks in prison for he was in a rage with him because of this. And Asa inflicted cruelties upon some of the people at the same time. What happened to Asa? It's really quite simple. Asa did not continue to seek God. He made a choice. Said It was one of those daily choices to seek safety and security from another source. When confronted about forsaking God, Asa did not respond with humility and repentance. He responded in anger. He locked the prophet in prison and he took out his anger on his own people. Have you ever done that? Have you ever been upset at God or upset at the situations and you take it out on other people? Your spouse, your kids, your fellow employees, your boss? I have. Well, unfortunately, Asa turned away from God for the remainder of his life. In verse 12, we read, In the 39th year of his reign, Asa developed a disease in his feet And his disease became increasingly severe. Yet even in his disease, he didn't what? He didn't seek the Lord, but only the physicians. By the way, we shouldn't take from this verse that it's wrong to seek a physician's help when we're ill. The issue was that Asa was trusting in the doctors rather than in God. In his bitterness, he was unwilling to seek the Lord, even in his severe sickness. God tells us in his word that he is Jehovah Rophah, the Lord, our healer. While he sometimes uses physicians as instruments of healing in our bodies, we are always to recognize that God is our healer. We are to seek him about everything in our lives, including illness. Well, what was Asa's downfall? Despite earlier in his life seeking God by repenting of sin and seeking God in humility and prayer, he failed to keep seeking God. He ran out of spiritual steam. The result was that he moved out from under God's mantle of blessing. His life that started with a heart that earnestly sought God ended in anger and bitterness without the blessing of God. What about you? What about me? Are you continuing to earnestly seek God? Or have you given in to the belief that you can follow Christ casually? That you can coast or even take a break for a while? As Pastor Grant reminded us two weeks ago from the preaching of Charles Spurgeon, there's no standing still in religion. We're either moving toward God or we're moving away from him. We see from the life of Asa 
that to seek God, we must turn away from sin. We must choose humility in a life of prayer. And we must continually, day by day, seek God's face. Are you turning away from sin? Are you cultivating a heart, a humble spirit of dependence upon God? Are you evidencing that humility through heartfelt prayer? Are you seeking God continually? If so, the Spirit of God is calling you today, just as he called to Asa through Azariah after he had so earnestly sought the Lord. And the Spirit is saying, keep seeking. Don't turn away. If you seek me, you will find me. If you're not doing those things, the Spirit of God calls to you too. He's saying, you will not find success, fulfillment, or life from any source or sources other than me. Humble yourself. Turn your face toward me and seek me earnestly. How will you respond? How will I respond? Let's pray. Father, in the quietness right now, we listen for your voice to us, the voice of your spirit. Thank you that you are a God who invites us and who encourages us and who urges us, who exhorts us, who commands us to seek you. And God, you don't do that because you're a taskmaster. You do that because you want us to experience life. To experience life to the full. Father, help us today to hear your voice. And help us to make the choices that we need to make. To seek you. And to keep seeking you. To continually seek you and your face. God, thank you that we don't have to do that on our own. But you've given us your spirit to help us. In fact, it's, it's from you that that desire comes. Apart from you, we would have no desire to seek you. And so, Lord, we say thank you for that. And Lord, would you increase the intensity of our desire for you. Increase our hunger and our thirst for you. And help us, God, to make the day-by-day choices in what we do and what we say and what we give our time to, what we give our attention to, to seek you with a whole heart. Thank you that if we do, we will find you. We bless you, Lord. And we thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name, amen.